You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. Good morning, Hornets fans. This is Locked On Hornets, your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Search your podcast app for Locked On to get podcasts on the NBA, the NFL, and fantasy sports. We're going to have a team of our NFL coverage at the Senior Bowl getting ready for uh, the Locked on NFL draft special that will, or the the variety of specials that they're going to do uh, in preparation uh, for the NFL draft coming up. So you want to be locked in to uh, Locked on NFL draft and the Locked on network for all of that coverage. Uh, I'm Doug Branson. I'm flying solo today. Uh, Today's episode is brought to you by mybookie.ag. Sign up there to uh, do all of your sports betting. Use our promo code LOCKEDONNBA to get a special a, a 50% bonus on your first deposit. We're coming to you live on YouTube.com forward slash LOCKEDONHORNETS. We're also on Twitter, Twitter.com uh, forward slash LOCKEDONHORNETS. Follow us there. Flying solo today, no David Walker in to restrain me. I am unrestrained. I am ready to t- ready to talk about this game. 115 to 111, the final score. The Mavericks getting the win over your Charlotte Hornets. Very disappointing outcome. I know it was disappointing uh, for a lot of fans who were expecting off of that three and one road trip record. They were expecting big things for this Hornets team. They were expecting this Hornets team to come out with fire, to come out with fury, to come out and get a victory at home. Well, they came out with energy. They came out with focus. But once again, the game gets close, and they can't respond. And I know you're frustrated. I know Double M15. I know Barry Blaster in the chat right now, in the nest, saying, what up, nest? Smiley face emoji. You have the smiley face emoji. That's good. It's good. You got to keep up the spirits through these times. Look, I, I know everything that I, I want to say in this episode, but yet I don't really have answers. That's the thing. If you're, if you're listening because you want answers to why the Hornets are the way they are, let me go ahead and apologize in advance because I simply don't know. I'm as confused as you are, and that's not something you want to. <laughs> it's not something you want to readily admit as someone who analyzes a basketball team. You never want to be the guy that says, "Well, I I really don't know. I don't know what's going on." But that's kind of that's a situation certainly that I think the coaching staff finds themselves in. They've tried multiple schematic changes to try to rally the bench unit. They've tried mixing starters in. They've tried a variety of things, save for doing anything with that starting lineup, and it simply hasn't worked. They can't find consistency. So we're going we're gonna to take your questions on the chat. Let us know what you think at Locked On Hornets on Twitter or YouTube.com forward slash Locked On Hornets. Join us live. 
here in the nest. Let us know what you think about this uh, this Hornets this latest Hornets disappointment. Uh, what I do what I do have for you is is analysis of what happened last night, and I have some commentary. I'd like to do the analysis first, and then do the commentary. That's normally the way our show works. We try to have a balance. We try to mix this in, right? Little analysis, little commentary. But I have a feeling that the commentary is going to leak into the analysis. And I have a feeling the commentary may dominate this show. Because I think there's only so much analysis that you can do when this team is so up and down. It's so inconsistent. It's so different night to night, quarter to quarter, minute to minute, substitution to substitution. Everything is so different that it's tough to analyze this team. What's happening in, in, in Charlotte right now with the Hornets is not logical. It's not logical for a team with the talent that they have, and they do have talent on this roster. They certainly have enough talent to compete with and win against the Dallas Mavericks. As healthy as they are relative to other teams in this league, Miami's a top-four team in the Eastern Conference. They've arguably dealt with more significant and more lengthy injuries than the Hornets have this season. Relative to their own team, relative to the Hornets, the Hornets are healthy right now. Only missing Cody Zeller. But they that's a, that's a backup now. They have Dwight Howard. It's not as, as significant a, as a, of a loss as it was last season when they had no one behind Cody Zeller that could legitimately play the center position in a physical way. It can't, what's going on can't, what I'm saying is what, what's going on can't be fully explained by schematics and numbers and statistics. We can go o- over all of that stuff and we will, but it's not going to satisfy you because you watch these games, you know what's going on doesn't feel like it's fully explainable. It's emotional. There is something missing from this Charlotte Hornets team. And I don't know if you want to point to the fact that that Steve Clifford is not there for this team. I think it would be somewhat fair to, to raise those questions. Because I go back to what Steven Silas said sticks in my head. He said it a few weeks ago. He said, when, when Steve Clifford is not here, there is a hole in our culture. Steve Clifford came into this organization several years ago and set a new standard. A standard that this organization had not had in a long time. Maybe ever, really. A way to play basketball. An expectation. It's all over the walls. It's painted on the practice floor. Steve Clifford is literally in the walls. On the walls, right? He is the culture of the Charlotte Hornets. It's not a... a, You can can point to the, the heart and the guts and the intensity that Kimball Walker brings to the floor... That's certainly a Charlotte Hornets identity. But really, it's Steve Clifford and the demands that he has for this team. And you can't replace that. Very difficult to, at least. And, and I think that's part of it as well. See, my co- see I've, I'm already starting with commentary. I told you. It's going to leak all into this show. 
All right, I want to get I want to talk about this and then we'll we'll get into the analysis of this game. Are, are you sick and tired of getting the run around when you ask for a payout on on some of these betting sites? I certainly am. Sign up at mybookie.ag today and get paid fast when you win. It's NFL playoff season. It's time to make some money. MyBookie is your hookup for all of your betting needs and you can even deposit using Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, blockchain technology. It's all the rage. MyBookie's got you covered. You got to play where the pros play on mybookie.ag. You can play the money line side or total. MyBookie is your hookup for all your betting needs and offers super fast payouts when you win. And that's important. When you win, you want your money. MyBookie gets it to you quickly. Let me let you in on a little secret. Where you are betting at is just as important as who you're betting on. That's why I always tell people, hey, listen, go to mybookie.ag. It's the only place to bet online. MyBookie has been in this business for years. Their reputation is rock solid. They do cash bonuses, so off the bat, you're making money for doing nothing, and they have the fastest payouts. Seriously, you can get your winnings in just two business days, and they have a new mobile site that makes wagering on the go a breeze. Join now. MyBookie will match your deposit up to 50%. 50% bonus just for signing up, but you have to use our promo code LOCKEDONNBA to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play. You win. You get paid. Okay, Hornets lose 115-111. Kimball Walker scores 41 points. Actually, let me back up. I want to set the scene for you. Because I can tell you 115-111, Hornets lose, whatever. Let me set the scene for you. The Hornets coming off a West Coast road trip that saw them win three or four games. A must-win road trip. They really had to do what they did. But there was no prior evidence that they could win any of those games. They defy the odds and go three or four with one of those wins against the defending champions. They get four days of rest, two days of practice. It's rare in the NBA. But they're coming off that road trip, so they get the rest. The NBA is doing better about this, getting teams what they need. The Mavericks, on the other hand, had lost three of four. They've played three games in four nights. They were traveling from Dallas. They lost that hour. They have talent. Dallas, I think there's a misconception that Dallas is, is quote, tanking. I saw that on Twitter. They're tanking. Dallas isn't tanking. Dallas wants to win just as much as the Charlotte Hornets do. It's why they went out and got Harrison Barnes. It's why they stuck with Dirk Nowitzki. They're not tanking. They're a veteran team. They have experience. They're slow. They're unathletic at a lot of positions. They're small at a lot of positions. They're definitely struggling to win. They are tremendously beatable. So that's the scene. They do these uh, scientific calculations about schedule losses and what, what you know which team is more capable of winning a basketball game because of what the schedule gods have have bestowed upon all of these franchises. And and this game came up as one of the most lopsided schedule games in the league. This was supposed to be a schedule loss for the Dallas Mavericks. It was supposed to be a schedule win for the Charlotte Hornets. But there were some concerns for the Hornets, right? Could, would they be a little rusty? Would the legs be a little heavy coming off that four days rest? Well, they put all of that to bed. They start out the game guns blazing, 9-0 run. They looked intense on defense. They looked prepared to win. 
Let me also tell you that Kimball Walker scores 41 points. Now that I've told you all of that, the outcome of this game should be clear. Hornets by 10. Hornets by 15. But it didn't happen. Instead, they lose 115-111. Let's dive into why. Starting unit outside of Kimball Walker really had nothing offensively. MKG had some nice drives, mid-range shots early. Howard was drawing fouls, but he wasn't converting. Five of 18 from the free throw line. It's something that Dwight Howard has improved on his free throw shooting. But then this is the story of the Charlotte Hornets. One night when they absolutely needed everyone to contribute, Five of 18 from the free throw line. Nick Batum making 20 plus million dollars this season. Four points, two of nine from the field. Second consecutive game that he goes two of nine from the field, four points. Is that good enough? One assist from Nick Batum as well. Is that good enough? The Mavs got hot from outside. This wasn't just a Hornets loss. This was a Mavericks win as well. They came into this game prepared. They needed to win. They came off a win against Orlando. They played well. They scored 114, I believe, against Orlando. Scored 115. So their offense is fine. It's their defense that struggles. Offensively, they have weapons, and they were on display. Finished 41.7% from three, 15 made threes, Four of five from three in a 39-point second quarter. Hornets got off to a great start, and then the second quarter, (laughs) everything fell apart. Yogi Ferrell was 7 of 10 from the field, all three-pointers. There was an abject failure to defend Yogi Ferrell, and a lot of that weight falls on Kimball Walker. I went back and watched the tape. There There was one breakdown by the bench where Lamb and Graham got confused. They were both on the same side of the floor. One of them was supposed to be trailing Yogi, and uh, Yogi got into transition, got to the three-point line, pass found him. He was wide open for three, knocked it down. But you saw the Hornets went with, because this was an unusual starting lineup for the Dallas Mavericks. They went Dennis Smith Jr. and Yogi Ferrell. They went small to begin the game. So you had MKG on Dennis Smith Jr. Did a great job of containing Dennis Smith Jr., not allowing him to get to the basket, not allowing him to get going early. And then you had Kimball Walker on Yogi Ferrell. And there were short closeouts. There were in a, there was some inattentiveness in transition by Kimball Walker on Yogi Ferrell. Is it fair to criticize his defense on a night when he was the, the only player contributing significantly offensively? I don't know. You tell me in the chat. You tell me if it's okay to criticize Kimball Walker's defense on a night where he scores 41 points and Nick Batum scores four. And Dwight Howard goes 5 of 18 from the free throw line. Because that's the thing on that's the thing we have always said about Nick Batum, right? You have to have MKG beside Nick Batum because you don't want Nick Batum to use all of his energy defending the team's best player because you need him to be a factor offensively. Past two games, he's not been a factor offensively. So does Kimball Walker not get that same leeway? Yogi Ferrell was hot. Yogi Ferrell was great. Knocked down every opportunity he had, and he had wide-open opportunities. But this was a four-point basketball game. It's not as if they. It's not as if Yogi Ferrell knocked down seven threes and the Mavs shot 41% from three and they lost by 15. And the Hornets lost by 15. That's not what happened. Kimball Walker scored 41 points, was driving to the rim and, and hitting 
contested layups and getting by his man and hitting uncontested layups and knocking down his three-point shot. Does he not get the same leeway defensively when he is the single only threat offensively? All right, short break. We'll be right back. This is Locked on Hornets. Our boys got to go Cobra Kai. We got to go 80s villain defense. Grow a goatee. Do the uh, gladiator stab him real quick in the ribs before Have an the Eastern game. European accent. Only on the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Danny on the chat saying, I'm still hopeful for Nick to bounce back in the long term, but you have to think the injury is still a problem for him. Yeah, you have to, you, you hope, you hope that that's it, honestly, because what's the alternative? He said, uh, he said that this is, uh, Nick said that this is a new year for him, 2018. It has to be. I mean, the Hornets have to have him as a factor offensively. Kimball Walker missed a few, we'll get to this in a second, but Kimball Walker missing a few opportunities late in the game. Had the three, I think, partially blocked and then had a great look to, to tie the basketball game and missed it. And you wonder, I've said this on ESPN 730, you wonder like how much it affects him having to carry the load so much offensively for this basketball team and then, and then also also having to take the final shot and make it. Double M15, who do you blame at this point? <laughs> Plenty of blame to go around, guys. I th- You spread it around, I think. Uh, when, when, when it's going like this, it's not one person. It's not one play. It's not one scheme. You did have some bright spots in this game. You had clutch possessions from Lamb, Kaminsky, and Malik Monk to keep the game close to the middle of the fourth quarter. Want to take this in a positive direction for just a second? Will you grant me that? I know you will because we're going to talk about Malik Monk. He was a little bit of a bright spot in this game. Knocking down some open three-point shots that the Hornets set up for him. He was moving off ball and the Hornets were were calling plays for Malik Monk. That's an interesting development because that's not always the case because he plays with Jeremy Lamb and the offense runs through Jeremy Lamb and then secondarily, that second unit offense goes to Frank Kaminsky. So when Malik Monk has played in the past, he's been a third option. He's not a first option on that second unit. Not a lot of play. He's gone. He's played 15 to 20 minutes in a game and not had a play called for him. Last night, he gets a couple of play calls, knocks down some shots. And it was interesting, the collective breath that Spectrum Center took and held in as that first pass found Monk for a wide-open three. You could hear it in the Spectrum Center. As soon as the ball hit Monk's hands, no one within five feet of him, and the crowd went, (gasps) and then Monk shoots, Monk scores, and the crowd goes wild. This Charlotte crowd is desperate for Malik Monk to be outstanding. Despite the limited minutes, despite the trips to Greensboro, despite the Donovan Mitchell eternal highlight reel that the Hornets will get a first-hand look at on Friday night, despite all of that, fans haven't lost any faith in Monk's potential to be a star player for this team. But Okay, then what's the problem, right? 
Why, why isn't he out on the floor? The problem is the story hasn't changed for Monk. Love those three-pointers. Found a rhythm which is pretty outstanding considering how few and sporadic his minutes have been, that he, that he could find that rhythm. But they are few and sporadic because you can only play him situationally. Why did he play last night? Because the Mavs went small. Because they could play Malik Monk beside Michael Carter-Williams instead of Michael Carter-Williams. Because Malik Monk doesn't have the ability to run the offense yet. Steven Silas said it at practice. It's and and looks, you know, to be fair, like Silas sees this guy every almost every day. Sees him run basketball plays almost every day. And in Silas's professional opinion, he's still learning offensive decision making. I think he's learning the NBA game in general. You can see it on defense. Few times on defense last night, he just switched onto Lamb's assignment randomly without communication, and Lamb had no idea what Monk was doing. Guys, guys were left open, and it's not. Listen, it's not an effort thing. That's dude, some of these guys come into the 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 NBA, these uh, rookies, college players, and they they generally know how to play NBA. They generally know how to play defense. They just and maybe the effort isn't all the way there. That's not the case with Malik Monk. The effort is there. When he when he gets one on one isolation opportunities, he's he's getting better with his body positioning. He, he got a few of those opportunities last night and did well. Made Dirk put the ball on the floor at one point. Stayed with it. Didn't get blown by like he did against uh, Porzingis in New York. Like he's learning. He's getting better at those opportunities. But team defense wise, he's just miles away. He's simply miles away. I mean, he's just there's there are I think there are things about the NBA game that he is still learning, both offensively in terms of decision making, and that's that's going to be important for him, at least in with this era of Charlotte Hornets basketball, because they see him as a point guard. Now, whether you agree with that or not is is a question for, for you to answer for yourself, but I'm just telling you what the Horn the Hornets see him as a point guard. And to see him as a point guard means you must see him in terms of his decision making along with his shot making. Both of those things have to come side by side. But defensively, he's he's just miles away. He's just do, he does he makes decisions defensively that that ripple and don't make any sense to the to the players that he's playing with. And I know there are people that disagree with me. There's people in this chat right now. I read it, Jeremy. Doug is one of the delusional morons who think Monk is going to hurt our playoff chances. <laughs> What's a, there's a lot of things that are hurting the, the Hornets' playoff chances right now. Uh, I think there's a danger in playing Malik Monk and you losing 9 out of 10 games and completely destroying the confidence of, of Malik Monk. I don't know. I don't know what you learn by by getting annihilated on defense and and gaining the ire of your teammates for not knowing necessarily where to be or what to do night after night. I'm not sure what that does. Okay, let's get back to this game. For my money, the game really turned on two things. Two things happened in this game that that turned this game around uh, for the Dallas Mavericks and got them the victory over the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, the first was a bad a bad coaching decision, to be perfectly honest. 
The second was an inexcusable lapse of focus, effort, chutzpah, whatever you want to call it. It happened. First, let's go to the coaching decision. Um, Silas told me pregame about the danger of Harrison Barnes at the four position. It's Carlisle's secret weapon. Likes to play Barnes late in the game at four. Really disrupt what teams want to do because Barnes' ability to score effectively from all three levels can disrupt the opposing team's defense depending on who they have at the four position. Uh, But it happened. It happened on two possessions late in the fourth quarter. Barnes burnt Kaminsky for fairly uh, easy makes, two fairly easy makes for a natural scorer like Barnes. Kaminsky was quickly subbed out, but not quick enough. It was too late. Barnes, who had struggled to find a rhythm all game, suddenly felt the spirit move within him. He hit a three in rhythm to give the Mavs a three-point lead, and then another two-pointer inside. He was in takeover mode. That's it. Barnes was out of rhythm for most of the game, or at least had not had the opportunities. Those were going to Dirk, who was off. They were going to Dennis Smith Jr., who was uh, not his shot wasn't on. They were going to Yogi Ferrell, who was absolutely lava, but they weren't going to Barnes. He wasn't in a rhythm until that point. Gave the Mavs a three-point lead, then another, and say, yeah, he, he was just good. Here was Silas after the game on Harrison Barnes. Well, we, we uh, towards the end, we started to try to double-team him, but he was so far out off the lane line that the double-team was hard, and then the isolation up top, you can't double-team. It's just there's too much room, and the way that they shoot the three-point shot, it, it makes it tough. So it ends up just kind of being a one-on-one situation, and he made shots. I mean, I thought Marvin tried his best and contested every shot. He didn't shoot any easy shots for sure, but uh, he made them. Yeah, made tough shots. I just thought Kaminsky was in the game two possessions too long. Uh, And the game was very close at that point. The game was hanging in the balance. And listen, I've been reticent to criticize Silas too harshly. It's it's an incredibly difficult situation that he finds himself in to be an interim head coach for this significant of a time. And not only that, but there to be this uncertainty. I felt like when Luke Walton took over for Steve Kerr, there was a little less uncertainty about the length that Steve Kerr was. I mean, everybody knew that Kerr was going to be gone for for an extended period of time. There's just so much uncertainty that's surrounding this situation with Steve Clifford. Very tough situation. And he's going up against Rick Carlisle, veteran. Scare, I think he's one of the scariest coaches in the NBA. <laughs> Just I, I base that on really just his look. He just has the scowl, the dark eyebrows, the pasty bald head. He just looks like an looks like that that eighties villain that Steve Bob was talking about in the in the rejoin. But Carlisle's brilliant. He's a brilliant coach, and he outmatched, he outdueled, he outwitted the young Padwan. I think in in Stephen Silas in this one, and the other turning point, I thought one fifty to go in the game. Hornets down three. Dennis Smith Jr. misses a three-point shot. Dwight has the rebound in his hands. The ball and the game, for that matter, was in his hands, but he allows Mejri to poke it away. And it makes his way back out to who else? Yogi Ferrell, the fi- his final three-pointer. That one wasn't on Kimball Walker, so there were two. There were two that weren't on Kimball Walker. One, on, one with the, the bench getting confused, and then one on that offensive rebound. But again, Kemba, to his credit, would not let them go into the cold, dark night without a fight. The Hornets get a steal. Walker gets the bucket to cut the deficit to three. 35 seconds left. The Hornets, for some reason, foul. 35 seconds and MKG fouls. Again, there's 
It's unexplainable. There are miscues, miscommunications that are happening that just have not happened in years past. The Hornets got lucky. It's not something the Hornets have, they haven't had Lady Luck on their side very much this season. They got lucky. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr. misses one of two. DJ quotes saying he fouled Dwight. Well, listen, you got to have that rebound. I care if he fouled him or not. You get the rebound. If the game is on the line, you secure the rebound. These are winning time plays. These are moments. Moments in a game that's close when both teams need the victory. And I'll say another thing, too. You saw this a couple of times on the road when the Hornets would go up in the first half and the opposing team, this happened in the Clippers game, cost them the game. The Clippers came out and punched the Hornets in the mouth in that third quarter, went in the locker room and came out on fire. Hornets didn't do that against the Mavericks. They held serve. They contained what the Mavericks were doing in that second quarter, in that third quarter, but did not punch them in the mouth, did not have enough off. And again, that's on that's on Batum. That's on Howard missing free throws. That's on everyone besides Kimball Walker. Uh, so uh, Kimball followed that uh, missed Dennis Smith Jr. free throw up with an and one. And then Dennis Smith Jr. gets a gift foul from the officials. I thought it was the worst call of the game. I thought it was bad official, bad officiating game in general. No contact that affected his shot, but they give him the foul. He hits both of them in this one. Hornets down three. Kimba got a great look, couldn't knock it down. How many times this season again have we seen Kimba Walker have to carry this basketball team pretty much single-handedly on offense, only to come up short on a clutch shot? And my question to you is, can you blame him? Does he get the leeway on defense after scoring 41 points? Does he get the leeway in clutch possessions because 41 points? Because he was a magician on offense on a night when everyone else was completely absent. I asked Stephen Silas a version of that question, essentially, at the at the postgame press conference. Here's what he had to say on that. It's probably pretty frustrating when you have to do as much as you do as he does, and then you have to try to finish the game as well. Um, but uh, you know that's what he's here for, and that's what he's built for. And he wouldn't want anybody else taking the last shot. Heard Silas there saying, it, it, you know. For his money, it would be pretty frustrating to have to carry the offense the way he did. 28 attempts, 16 of 28 from the field, 3 of 9 from 3, 41 points, 6 free throws. To carry the offense the way he did, pretty frustrating. Pretty frustrating for Hornets fans, too, watching, I imagine. I don't imagine. I see it on the chat. I see you guys. But, yeah. Tough night for the Charlotte Hornets. Kimma misses the three-point shot. Dwight gets the offensive rebound and is fouled. The crowd react. It's, it's, it's interesting. The crowd reacted excited at first, and you could sort of track their realization about what had just happened and what they knew was about to occur because they had seen Dwight Howard. They saw that he was struggling from the free throw line. They knew what was about to happen. Dwight goes 5 of 18 from the line in this one. Again, he's been shooting better from the line of late. Doesn't matter. Needed him to shoot better last night. Bar isn't that high for Dwight in terms of free throws, but it crippled them last night, plain and simple. Hornets lose 115, 111. 
uh, I'll wrap this up by saying this. There's no really other way to put this except it was the worst. I think it was one of the worst losses of the season, maybe the worst. A home loss after the 3-1 and one road trip. No consistency. No ability to maintain momentum. That's what you have to have. If the We talked about the 13-14 Bobcats and how they were at the same position record-wise as the Charlotte Hornets are right now or were before last night. That squad was able to gain, maintain momentum, and have consistency. A lot of that owing to the fact that Kimball Walker had Al Jefferson, who was a consistent scorer night in, night out, and was a Eastern Conference Player of the Month type player. Who is going to be that player for this basketball team? Because listen, for all of that talk that I just had about worst loss of the season, it is one loss. It wasn't as if they weren't going perfect from here on out. It's that the the situation is tough. It's not one loss, it's not a number of losses. It's how they are losing these basketball games. They come out with the right approach and they can't maintain it. Why can why that's that's the the burning question that no one in the locker room seems to have a an answer for. Why can they not maintain the consistency quarter to quarter? Why are they losing all of these close games? This isn't a game that technically came down to three points, but you've heard the stat over and over, 13 consecutive losses on games decided by three points or less. You could chalk that up to luck. You could say, well, 13 times in a row, the ball didn't fall their way. Or you can say, hey, maybe those types of plays where Yogi Ferrell gets out into transition and no one picks him up, or Dwight Howard doesn't secure that rebound and allows the offensive rebound kick out to Yogi Ferrell, or so on and so forth, play after play, these winning time plays, the Hornets are not making them. Claude wants to know what's the fix. Danny on the chat saying the fix is the players actually doing what they say they are going to do in every pre- and post-game interview. Dan, I think Danny's got a point, to be perfectly honest. I think, listen, you're, they're saying the right things. They're saying the right things in these interviews. But it's not happening out on the court. The execution is not there. The logistics haven't changed all that much from yesterday. The schedule is still the same. The schedule is still weak for the Charlotte Hornets basketball team, but that doesn't matter. You have to win the games. You have to go out and execute. But listen, they could win 10 in a row beginning Friday. Everything could change because that's the thing. It's all, it, this is not, I don't think that these problems are inherent, systemic to the Charlotte Hornets. This is a gut check that so far, again, they can't maintain. Not when their best interior threat and foul magnet, Dwight Howard, can shoot 5 of 18 from the line on one given night. That's enough to sink a team in a close game. It's not the sole reason, but it's enough. Not when Nick Batum, one of their highest paid players, can go 2 of 9 for 4 points in a pivotal game, second consecutive game of 2 of 9 shooting for 4 points, mere days after proclaiming to the world that this was a new year and a new Nick. You can say it. you got to go out there and execute. And I think it's fair to ask those questions. I think it's fair for you to be frustrated. 
Lamont saying, you know, saying what I'm sure there are many fans thinking. I'd bench Batum. That's not the answer. I don't mean to be harsh, Lamont, but that's not the answer. This Hornets team doesn't go anywhere without without Nick Batum playing well. That's that's what they they made the bet on Nick Batum, and and not a lot of people were arguing with that bet when it when it first happened. Everyone was saying, "Don't lose Nick. Pay him whatever whatever it takes to 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 keep this player." in Charlotte, and the bet's not panning out. But when you look back on that situation, should they have done anything different? I'm sure there are people who would, hindsight 2020, say, well, I told you so. Yeah, you, well, come on. You weren't thinking that then. When he made when he, when he made Kimball Walker a lot better, when he was actually contributing offensively and knocking down shots in the fourth quarter of, you know, on, on an injured foot in a, in a playoff game against Miami, you weren't thinking that. You were thinking, this is a guy we have to retain. The Charlotte Hornets, if they want to be a playoff basketball team, have to have this kind of talent. Hasn't worked out for Batum this season. He's got to be better. The only thing on this team that can realistically be counted on is Kimba Walker. And someone someone last night, I won't say who it was, someone last night, I won't say who it was because I, I don't really know his name. <laughs> That's a good reason not to say who it was. Had someone say, uh, "Wow, Kimmel Walker can shoot you in a game and shoot you out of a game." Like what? You can criticize a lot of things about what happened last night. You can criticize Kimba's defense if you want, if you think that's fair. But is this 2012? No, he shot them into the game. Yes, he missed a couple of shots at the end of the game, but. He didn't miss 5 of 18 free throws. He didn't go 2 of 9 from the field. Nine, there are nine other guys on this basketball team that have to contribute in a way that, that is significant. Real quick, got an update on Cody Zeller's injury. Uh, they uh, The team basically still saying he's a long way away. He was warming up a little bit last night. He's doing some spot shooting. That's really all he has been clear to do. Could that make a difference? I'm not sure. Would give them a, a a level of energy on that second unit, but you saw last night, second second unit really wasn't an issue. Bench, uh, Charlotte benches, they outscored the Dallas bench. All right, we're out of time. Thanks to our sponsor, MyBookie. Visit MyBookie.ag. It's the place to bet online. Thanks to everyone who joined us live. Thanks for all of your contributions to the show really appreciate it make sure you're subscribed to us on patreon make sure you're subscribed to us subscribe to the podcast on itunes stitcher overcast we're working to get it up on spotify for all of you spotify subscribers want to make things easy you get your music you get your locked on hornets podcast so we're working on getting that up on spotify follow us on twitter at locked on hornets that's where we live tweet the games this was a tough show this is an honest show but this was a tough show and I thank you for listening. Uh, shoot us your Hornets questions and thoughts to buzzbuzz at LockedOnHornets.com. We're back again tomorrow. David rejoins for a hashtag fun Friday. Things are going to be a little bit more fun tomorrow. We'll preview the game against Donovan Mitchell. I think he'll feature in that fun Friday show. Lamont says he enjoyed the show. Thanks, Lamont. We enjoyed your contributions. Danny, Claude, everyone in the chat, Double M15. Jeremy, I know Jeremy 
He's frustrated right now. Everybody's angry. This is a safe place. You can you can you can come to the chat. You can be upset. That's fine. If you want to be upset with me, if you want to take it out on me, if you want to call me a moron, call my analysis moronic. That's fine. I can take it. It's, it's a tough season. It's a tough time for Hornets fans. But we're here for you. Come join us every day, right here, Monday through Friday, on Locked On Hornets. For David, the rest of the crew here, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm. Sharp.